Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Would Vegas make us the favorite? We'd be the favorite in that game. We'd be the favorite of this game. We've got more talent. We got a better team. We got, what the living hell, Mr. Rat Poison himself. All of a sudden turns into BetMGM, Nick Saban. SI's Russ Gellinger. You know, when they need to score, Dugan just leads them down the field and they score. So they feel you feel like they are never out of the dang game. And SI's Pat Forty. I think Georgia would kill Alabama. I do. I think they would wipe the field with Alabama. So don't give me just because it's Alabama. Don't tell me they are a great team. They're not. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod, and we are here with the playoff field finally set. Season has ended. Number one, Georgia. We'll play number four, Ohio State. Number two, Michigan. We'll play number three, TCU, uh, out in Phoenix. First one's in Atlanta. Everything's New Year's Eve because we're still stuck with this this playoff for two more years, but only two more years. We'll get to that. We'll get to how we got here. We will get to uh, other antics over the weekend. We'll get to Coach Prime heading up to Boulder. Uh, but first, gentlemen, this is a this is a nice cold bush light here. <laughs> there we see. go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There are more I'm coming. Gonna... Is there more coming? Uh, you hear that? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it's coming here. I walked into that. Yeah, you did walk into that. Oh, yeah. I I thought we were like, you know, celebrating getting to the playoff. But no, we're trying to celebrate Dan. No. no, Yeah. Yeah. Somebody was victorious in race for the case. Someone is. Yeah. Go run for the mountains here. (laughs) Me and Coach Prime. Uh, What what are the final standings? (laughs) I don't believe he drinks. Let's fast forward through this. What are the no, final I, standings? I think I won by two games. Maybe two three. Games. I don't know. I think Doesn't it was matter. three. He won over me by three, I think. According three to games. Sean's tally, uh, Dan was 40, 45, and three. Congratulations oh, by God. winning being five oh, games below 500. Uh, 40, 45, <laughs> and three. I was 37, 47, and four. Pat, 34, 50, and four. Sean, 33, 48, and three. Absolute crap records. We're the friggin' Big Ten West. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I won. I, I won. So we're, we're going to get to all that later. 
And I'm going to rub it in. You know, I'm no, a very humble not. No, person. we just got to it. We're I'm done. I'm a very humble person. I don't want to rub it in. Oh, I think God. you guys are probably smarting and feeling bad. And I'm here to, I, I pump tires, man. I pump <laughs> tires around here. Can I bury my, my second 0-6 week of the season here early in Ooh. the show? So we oh, don't God. Have to do it later. You had a second one. Wow. Was, yeah. Nothing good here. Brutal. Sean, I, I'm not going to pump your tires. Brutal, your pick sucked brutal. from start to finish this year. <laughs> oh! What the hell, man? Let's, let, let's do better. A second let's, 0 and 6. I mean, we've all had an 0 and 6. It, it, it happens, one. but it's yeah, a second one. It, it, yeah, you can do better. Yeah, maybe go. I'm a bowl specialist. That's it. <laughs> well, that's it. I will say, Dan, whose picks generally have been pretty crappy, did dominate the bowls last year. So. Wow. Well, I dominated this year. Everything. So anyway, <laughs> we'll get oh to the race. God. We'll get to the race of the case. Let's get to the race for this playoff. That's the playoff field. USC played their way out by by getting beat pretty soundly by, by Utah on Friday night. That kind of ended all the drama of the weekend. They did not take my uh my logic based argument was not even considered. Not after <laughs> that game. Yeah. <laughs> for for good or for bad. Thoughts on this field, just in general? I don't think there's a lot of controversy here. What are your thoughts there, Pat? No, I think it's uh, the way the field should be, frankly, and, and in the correct order. I think, uh, yeah, like if in a better system, these teams wouldn't have been subjected to double jeopardy, and USC might have been in. But they were. They had to play Utah, and not only did they lose, they got trucked. And there was an injury to the maybe the best player in the court in the country, but beyond that, their defense is like the most awful thing I've ever seen. I mean, maybe stop trying to hit people in the chest when you can't tackle them. There, hit them in the legs, possibly, and take them down. But beyond that, so we got to the right. We got to the right four teams. I don't want to hear Alabama saying, "Oh, well, we had close losses and we're in the SEC." No, Alabama did not deserve to be in the playoff. These are the four best teams. When Max Duggan got TCU into overtime, that solidified what the four teams were going to be. And I'm fine with that, and I'm fine with the order. And I don't know whether we'll have good semifinals, but we got the right teams in the right order. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, 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 uh, uh, no, no real surprises. I, I think Dan has a point. I just... I think there's a combination of things that happened in the Pac-12 championship game that would that would have you kind of bump in USC. The way they lost to the same team they lost to earlier in the year, they had a chance to redeem themselves and to lose to the same team. And then their quarterback got hurt and might be out for the bowl season. Yeah. So there was a chance that Caleb Williams is is going to be out if they were to make the playoff, which, man, that would that would be really crappy. And and the committee does think about those things. I mean, they're supposed to take those things in consideration. But otherwise, all good. I, you know, I think it was pretty clear when they got to overtime, TCU got to overtime, that they were in. I, I, I mean, I really think before, you know, before overtime, they should have been in. I mean, unless they got skunked or something, I, I think they, they should have been in the field. And the fact that the committee didn't drop them to four, tells you maybe how safe they were. It also tells you probably, even though they said they didn't discuss it, that they probably didn't want a first-round you know, rematch of Michigan-Ohio State, which I think is the right move. And they, they should have probably discussed it. I mean, it should be something that they that they think about. I mean, yeah, it's, it creates a, a more challenging go for Georgia. You know, we can talk all due respect to TCU and their record. 
if you if you let Georgia pick their opponent, you let everyone in this field pick their opponent. They're picking TCU, so it's up to TCU to show show otherwise. But uh, so they get a harder opponent with Ohio State that at least has the athletes to put conceivably compete with them. I think not playing you it takes some of the you know you watch so many other bad games and then you you takes the the stink off of watching Ohio State's fourth quarter against Michigan. No one remembers that. So you have the whole thing. Uh, USC. It's their own worst enemy. I mean, I wonder if Lincoln Riley ever heard of the Oklahoma drill. <laughs> Took everything else from Oklahoma. Maybe we take the Oklahoma <laughs> drill. Hmm. Can't yeah. do the Oklahoma drill anymore. Not in camp. Yeah. Right. Banned. Yeah. Banned. Well, yeah. come up with something like it. Yes. How you come up with wrapping your arms around someone yeah. from somewhere below the shoulders and bringing them to the ground. Yeah. Pitiful. Pitiful. Pitiful effort on their defense. The other thing about Lincoln Riley, as uh, one of my friends uh, points out, when he's on his script from the kickoff to whenever the script ends, that offense is unbelievable. And when it's time to adjust, that offense tends to not be so unbelievable. And you saw it Friday night. When they when they had all their plays laid out early, beginning, that they, they, looked, up, they looked like they were going to run them out of the place. And they had kind of had that chance when they got the, the fumble but Utah made an adjustment, and USC never made another adjustment. And Caleb Williams is hurt. I'll give him that. But that offense just ground to an absolute halt. I'm, I'm going to dispute that on two fronts. If all right, go ahead. One, Caleb Williams got hurt. And the play he got hurt on was a 59-yard extemporaneous scramble that was really not part of the script. So that was just a great player making a great play. And secondly, after that, I mean, when he couldn't move in the pocket, I don't care what your script is; it's not going to work as well. No, but they they can struggle at when they 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 don't do as well after their they, no, no, his offenses don't do as well. He's had some second half collapses in the, in his in his time, and certainly if you're going to have a shootout, you can't you're going to have a shootout with that defense. You got to do better. So it's a lot a lot there. So USC tough break. Bama. Pac-12 another year another year another without year, a no playoff. I think it's five hundred. Six, is it six in a row? Seven in a row? Since, yeah. Since, well, since 2016. So 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, seven. Seven right? in so a seven row. Or six, that's six. Washington, right? Washington. Yeah, yeah Washington. Yeah. It was Washington and Oregon the first year and Washington two years later. And that's. They were that's barely in. I covered that game. That was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> favorite part of the weekend. This was my favorite thing. I, I It was just hysterical. All of a sudden, the Nick Saban media tour goes along and he's oh trying to like God. get to the committee. Which they admit they listened to. They said, uh, Boo Corrigan said he's watching. They're wa- they're all at their boring ass, most <laughs> the, literally the worst watch party ever. <laughs> and they're they're doing their watch party thing. I don't. I they know how to watch. I don't know if they know what the word party is. That is not a party. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of problems actually with that scripted photo. But go ahead. Okay. Well, they have their watch party, and they're sitting there. And Boo Corgan says, hey, we're watching the Big Ten championship game at halftime, and on comes Saban. He starts talking. So they it worked. They, he got his he got to speak directly to them. The best part, the best part, though, is this is Nick Saban. This is Nick Saban who will absolutely annihilate some reporter at the smallest newspaper in Alabama who dares to ask a question at his little press conference who's got the Diet Coke. Who, who suggests that maybe, possibly, perhaps, Alabama has a little bit more talent 
than Middle Valley River Tennessee State, right? <laughs> Maybe just a little. He will, uh, right? All right. I don't think that's uh, that's the case. He start doing. He starts twitching. He starts. Rat poison. He's throwing the hands up in the air. I don't know what you guys are looking at. There's no talent in the vid, right? You're the favorite. The favorite. Here he is. The yes, he went. He turned to Vegas. Yes. What would Vegas say? Uh, Would Vegas make us the favorite? We'd be the favorite in that game. We'd be the favorite in this game. We've got more talent. We got a better team. We got what the living hell, Mister Rat Poison himself. Yeah. All of a sudden turns into BetMGM, Nick Saban, <laughs> and starts saying, listen to Vegas. Vegas, a man who will not admit he's a one-point favorite over the worst team on his schedule. They'll do anything. I was like, here we go. No. Yeah, no, it was it was shameless. Like, absolutely. I, I said it was, like, almost embarrassing watching the greatest coach ever grovel on national TV with these talking points that somebody said in front of him. To say why Alabama should be in, it's like come. On. Well, I it's, I had uh, somebody, a couple people actually that were in the CFP room, messaged me last night when Saving came on, kind of like, you know, uh, like an eye roll emoji kind of thing. So I knew, <laughs> I knew after getting those messages, there was no shot. But one of them texted me and said, um, said it it explains a lot about his team that that he's he's having to do that. You know, and it, it kind of just like defeats, almost defeats the purpose of him doing it. That the fact that he had to do it tells you all you really need to know. Yeah. I mean, they're not very good. And I've had all these people say, George is going to kill TCU. If they, or they would kill TCU if they played TCU, if they played him. Well, I think Georgia would kill Alabama. I do. I think they would wipe the field with Alabama. So don't give me, just because it's Alabama, don't tell me they are a great team. They're not. I've watched them many times this year, a couple times in person. I'm not buying it. I don't know what what you do without, you know, I mean, people are like, well, let's do the four best teams. That's what the thing is. Well, it's Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and and Alabama. And you go, I mean, you can make that argument, but then, like, why do we have a season? Right, the games have to matter. <laughs> yeah. The games, the wins yeah. and losses, like, have to matter in – Alabama's one of the Alabama's big arguments was, well, we lost close. We had these close losses compared to the others, but also Alabama had a lot of like really close and somewhat embarrassing close wins, wins yeah. too. Yeah. So, but that is conveniently left out, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ross, you were at the first close win against a Texas team that wasn't very good, and I was at the one against mm-hmm. Texas A and M that uh, which is terrible. Yeah. It's like we're supposed to just forget about that? No. Well, and then yeah. Well, what one of the things? I mean, the 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 analysis gets so wide. Like, does everybody's weighing in on this stuff now? Yeah, people are like, "Wow, they beat Texas." It's like, okay, that you're putting them head to head with TCU. TCU beat them better. Yeah, yeah. Beat them like, by a wider margin. Too. Controlled the whole game. Never yeah, trailed. Just, you know, and 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 I think people, you know, some of the and we mentioned it in the last pod. Kansas, what did Kansas end up in their rankings? Top six 10, and nine? Six. Kansas State. Yeah. Kansas, Kansas State. State, I'm sorry. Kansas State yeah. ended up, what, ninth? We uh, said, like, so. you're yeah. going to have a loss right. yeah. in overtime on a neutral field championship game against a top 10 opponent where people are like, Kansas State sucks. They got three losses. It's like the committee says they're a top 10 opponent. Mm-hmm. And that, that matters. They ended up ninth, Kansas State. So it's like 
I can say that, but they're ranked higher than Penn State. Yeah. So yeah, and you're I think, not going to think your number five Alabama better show up to play Kansas State in the bowl game in Sugar Bowl. Yeah. If they don't, yep. they're going to lose. Or yep. when Alabama loses bowl games, it's because they didn't care. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Not a big enough state. Well, not a big enough state. Right. Well, These you know, bowl a, games now hey, are a mess. You don't a, know who's playing. In a twelve-team playoff, we would we would see what Alabama's made of. You know, we'll get there one day. We would. Yeah. Well, we would. But yeah. so, if there was a twelve-team playoff this year, which there will be, it just we have just one more year of this four, which should alleviate some of this, uh, a lot of it, I would think. Georgia and Michigan would would remain one and two. Remember, go, the seeds go to the top four conference champions. Number three would be Clemson. Number four would be Utah. Clemson and Utah would jump all the way up from seven and eight to go to three and four. And then five would be Tulane. Tulane, great T- season, great game they had. Visiting TCU. Then we would have Penn State at 11 visiting Ohio State, number six. We'd have USC visiting Alabama. Coach Saban would get a home game. And then we would have number nine, Kansas State, visiting number eight, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Health We're is gonna... a big issue with all this, though. Yeah. But you know, that would uh... be your that would be your playoff. That's what you would see. But they all would then play and then play the, the top four. Some people are already irate that teams like Clemson would get to number three, but this is the this is the setup they have. Well, in in I'm okay with it. I mean, I know people yeah. people are are uh, yeah kind of raising a little uh, qualms about it, but they wanted to put an emphasis on conference championships, which puts an emphasis more emphasis on the regular season and winning your regular season games to get to a conference championship game, and and they wanted to put more onus on that conference championship weekend where this past weekend we it was uh, a little anticlimactic really one game impactful and in a in a 12 team expansion six to seven of the championship games would have been pretty significant so i i think uh you know i've been for two years now we talked about it on this on the show before i've been doing this every week like doing based on the rankings every week doing like a what the bracket would look like and a couple things have come to mind and we're seeing them right here in this and that's you could have i don't want to say bid stealers it's actually more buy stealers like stealing a first round buy in in clemson and utah kind of stole the first round buy so to speak because they won on the field that's how it works the games should matter have to matter and they matter the other issue is a little i think more, more troubling and that's the seeding is like so important and can be in the Kansas State is a perfect example. Kansas State finished one ranking spot below below Utah. And so they finished one spot off of getting a bye, first round bye. And actually, they have to not just play a first round game, but have to go on the road to play a first round game. So the the seeding is just is really important. Of course, you're putting, you know, again, here you go. We're putting like humans on a committee, you know, doing this ana analyzing all this data to come up with these seating and just one seating spot can mean a buy or mean maybe a road playoff game like we're we're seeing here now this year i think is somewhat of an anomaly because you have three at-large teams above 
the third best conference champion, which you would Fifth. think would be yeah. pretty rare. Like the third best conference champion. Oh, third, yeah. Yeah, is is ranked seventh. So so I think, right? Seventh, yeah, yeah. seventh. So that's it, it's kind of an anomaly this year, but the the what more gets me other than the you know, rather than the buy and the conference champions, which that's fine. It's it's like, man, we're still like relying on this committee to do this seeding. And man, if, if they can give the like the fourth seed it gets a buy, the fourth best conference champion, the, the the margin of error between the fourth best conference champion and the fifth best conference champion is probably going to be pretty slim. And we see it here, Kansas State and Utah. It's pretty slim. And, you know, it stinks for Kansas State. Yeah, the consequences would be pretty big. But that's okay. That's why you play them. Yeah. And that's why you want to look good in those games and win those games. So I like I people are like, oh, it's just gonna devalue everything at the end of the season. No, no, no. There's gonna be a lot to play for, a lot on the line. And so I, I think it's fine. And to go back to what CM Newton used to say about the men's basketball tournament. You can play your way out of a bad seed. You can't play your way into the tournament. So, you know, you may end up on the road as a, you know, you may end up being a number nine seed who's really good. Well, go win some games. It's okay. Well, and and every one of these play these conference championship games now matter in a big way. Yes. Because there's little yep. changes. And mm-hmm. Kansas State did kind of steal a bid because if had they lost that game yeah. to TCU. They drop yeah. and maybe Washington gets it. Utah too. Utah and Kansas State both actually stole right. an actual bid, yeah. probably. Yeah. Could yeah. Have, if they lose, why. then it's Phenomenal Washington drama. and maybe yeah. FSU. Yeah. So you know we don't we that that's the that's the situation. What happens in all of these games? That the drama in that that two lane UCF game matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some years you're going to have at least a chance for like let's say the Mountain West game matters too because if if. Boise had won. They could have been the thing, but they weren't. So because Fresno won, so that means the AAC game matters. Like all this stuff is so little, you know. And you sit there and all go, wait, how the heck did Clemson end? Well, this is what we got. It's just a circus. Well, and that's and what they want. You you mentioned too, like uh, the bubble. Like uh, I think that'll be this will be an, again. This is part of the seating too. Is like the committee. Not only do you have the small margin of error between the fourth best conference champion and fifth best conference champion to get the bye, but you're going to have a margin of error between the last at-large team and then the next two or three out. And in this situation, the bubble at-large teams would be would have been USC, Penn State, Washington, Florida State. Basically, those four would be like on the bubble, and USC and Penn State got the nod over Washington and Florida State, which would have been in had Utah in Kansas State lost. And and the massive decision on Tennessee, Kansas State, who's eight, who's nine. Mm, very, very much right. Right. Okay. The margin there is pretty slim, although in that case, I would guess Tennessee got uh, you know, because Tennessee was ranked, yeah, like sixth in Kansas State ninth. But you're right though, still there are gonna be years where that margin is gonna be very tight. And that's like where you're playing the game, and that's gonna drive coaches yeah. crazy. So yep. A pretty thing. Quick look at the two games. Just a quick look. Uh, we have plenty of time to discuss them. Uh, Georgia, here's the thing about Georgia. They, they were so relentless this year. They were bo- almost boring, right? It's hard to remember that Georgia lost 15 NFL p- players to the NFL draft last year. It's unbelievable. And uh, shrugged it off and ho-hum, 13-0 SEC champs. How you guys doing? Can, can the Buckeyes play and or defeat Georgia. 
Pat. In my yeah, in my opinion, they would have to play so much better defensively than I have seen them play, and they would just have to hit all their stuff offensively. They got great offensive talent. I mean, you know, they've got the best receiving core in the country. That's with or without Jackson Smith and Jigba. They have a great quarterback. They have a line that can protect. They don't run block that well, but they can score. The question is, can the defense stand up at all? Because Georgia is a complete team. Georgia has a phenomenal defense, but Georgia can run. Georgia can throw. Georgia's creative. Georgia's great in special teams. So I think Ohio State has a lot to prove to that, that they can be in the game even. I mean, I think that physically they could be dominated in this game. Yeah, the Georgia f- defensive front. I mean, we, we, first of all, we talk about it every year with Georgia and Alabama and maybe even LSU, whoever the SEC representative is in the playoff. We talk about how their defensive front is the thing you you have to you have to handle. In, in the, I think it's no different here with Georgia. What is different about Georgia from last year's Georgia? I was, I'm still in Atlanta. I was at the SEC championship game last night. I was talking to a couple of Georgia beat writers and uh, at, you know asked them a question that a lot of people are asking me, and I don't have a great answer. So I asked them: Is how is last year's Georgia team or this year's Georgia team different from last year's Georgia team, or how do they compare to one another? And they immediately, you know, all of them I talked to said the same thing: Oh, the offense is way better. You know, the, the offense is much better. It's much more efficient. It can score, actually, pretty significantly at times. And we saw that last night with LSU. Um, they can they can score. They can move the ball. Um, so even if Ohio State scores some, I, I think Georgia is, gonna, is able to outscore them. And, boy, did we see Ohio – have we seen this year Ohio State's defense, right, struggle – at at times and so i think uh i think i, I would agree with with pat i, I think it's going to take not a miracle i wouldn't say but but it is going to take georgia playing fairly poorly a couple of turnovers you know going ohio state's way and ohio state maybe um you know handling that front and running the ball a little consistently if you're going to put it all on cj stroud we've we've seen that that sometimes doesn't always go well so it's gonna be it's gonna to be tough. There's a reason they're what seven point seven and a half point favorites. Georgia is two two quick thoughts up for me. Georgia, you know, people talk for Ohio State. Well, Michigan's he, they're built to beat Ohio State. They can they can do this. They can do this. Georgia can do all those things too. They're built kind of hot like Michigan. Mm-hmm. They just have better players doing them mm-hmm. and more yeah. of them. Yeah, I mean they have they have a they have a a any you know a little bit better talent than Michigan and but they they want to run the ball they want to control lines they'll do it they want to do this you want to do that we'll do it and so that doesn't bode well for Ohio State one thing I will say is this is going to be a fascinating game on the state of this program because they got beat they got humiliated they they have had a week of they had six days of you know just tail between your legs, getting beaten down, told you were wimps, all this stuff, and then boom, you get a life preserver and you're back. Ohio State has the talent to do something. Can they do it? And what kind of fight do you have in them? And do you win? Do you come back and win this game or make it a really good game? I, you know, I think they can do that. Conversely, if they don't, let's say this goes the wrong way again. Oh my lord! You've just gotten beaten down twice in a row to end the season. 
that it almost adds an, an uh, it's, it's uh, like if Michigan ba- if they had the rematch and Michigan beat them again, it would just be like existential threat. Just uh, what do we, you know, right? Yeah. But if Georgia just kind of knocks them over and beats them by three touchdowns, it's going to be like, what exactly is this program all of a sudden? Like it is going to be even worse than if you just didn't make it. So really, really interesting. I'm not sure what what I will pick in this game, but really interesting time for Ohio State to answer the bell here. Yeah, I think it's fascinating from that standpoint. Is, is You got your manhood questioned, and now you have to play the ultimate manhood team. The yeah. manhood team that that beat the crap out of Michigan at the line of scrimmage last year. So, okay, it's uh, we'll see what they can get done in a month's time to get ready for it. They Again, they do have talent. They got great players. And if they could turn this into an air and space game, maybe they, they, maybe they can do something. But it's hard to do if you can't control the line of scrimmage at all on either side. So that's, that's I think, the, the question for them. But you're right. The, the, the blessing is you made the playoff. The curse is you may get scrubbed twice in a row. Yeah, here's Georgia. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they'd be a lot happier with a nice big playoff where they could – Right, yeah. they they they'd get get they'd get TCU to to no they actually wouldn't get what Penn, they? Penn State they would well no, they get Penn State. that's another thing we didn't talk about if there was a twelve teamer like that situation would they need to look at matchups right I mean they've played in the regular season I think they would need to to take Ohio State or Penn State maybe becomes the eleven and USC drops to the ten. I mean, I would rather that. Yeah. I'd yeah. Like USC visits Columbus and Penn State. Goes right. To Alabama, right. But anyway, but, but Penn State would we'll be their opening that. round. And then they would then Somebody they would get Clemson. Beat, get 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 back. Right. Get a little right. back. Get their feet under them. Get right. their legs under them. Right. Because they, They're the boxer that got knocked down and somehow made the count. Right. And now that now it's like, good job. You're up. You beat the 10 count. But they just brought in a new guy to beat you. So we'll, we'll see. Searching for NBA playoff coverage. We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, on the other side, TCU, dream season, unbelievable. The game, the it was a loss, but what an incredible comeback. <laughs> just a fun team. Just a, like, I don't know how you, it's just a fun team. And uh, gutsy team, but now they get Michigan. There's no Blake Corum. He's not coming back, but a bunch of other guys are going to be able to play for Michigan in a month uh, or three weeks or whatever this is. And Donovan Edwards, you know, I like him a lot better when he's running 14 carries than whatever he had at the coming out of the backfield. I, I don't like him as your everyday down back, but man, he's awful good. So can TCU beat Michigan or is this uh, is this the, the lopsided semifinal? It might be lopsided. It's still the right matchup. I'm fine with it. But we'll see. We'll see how TCU matches up inside. Again, that's going to be another one where one team is a really physically dominant team at the line of scrimmage. The other team needs to answer some questions still there. Donovan Edwards, 401 yards in his last two games. Not bad. Not bad. 
He's he is an unbelievable backup to have. It's a little bit like when Alabama had you know one guy on top of another guy on top of another guy at running backs. Like oh, well, somebody gets hurt or somebody gets tired. Yeah, we'll just bring in somebody else and go for fifty. Yeah, Michigan has had a phenomenal season. They have done everything right. I absolutely think they're the better team in this matchup. I don't think it's a walkover. I think TCU throws the ball as well as anybody they have faced, including Purdue. Purdue throws the ball extremely well because they do it a lot, but but TCU has more bounce. They've got a running back who can really go, and Kendra Miller. TCU, it's just going to be up to the defense to, to keep them in the game long enough to, to make some plays. But you are right that, you know, like to me, TCU is the least likely playoff team we've ever had, and that includes a group of five Cincinnati last year, which started the year number eight in the in the AP Top Ten and was undefeated the year before except for a last play loss in the Sugar Bowl. Everybody looked at, TC, or at Cincinnati and said, that could be a playoff team. Nobody looked at TCU coming into this year and said that could be a playoff team. They were the picked seventh in the Big 12 coming into the season. And so for them to roll the season all the way through to get to 12-0 and and then get to the championship game and get it to overtime, wow, incredible season, super impressive from them. It probably ends in Glendale, but great run. Not even their coach, I don't think, no, <laughs> expected no, their playoff no. year. I know, Pat, you over the summer met with Sonny Dykes, and I met with him in the spring. He had just taken over the team. He was like a month or two in. And I remember asking him, like, what what do you think about the situation? And he he said, you know, we we got some problems. And uh, specifically on defense, he said, we got some problems. But that, that segues into defensively, Dan asking about how this matchup will go. You got to stop Michigan's running game. You just, you got to slow it down some way. And TCU has not been the best at that. They're 64th nationally in rushing defense. They give about 150 rushing yards a game. They've given up 21 rushing touchdowns. That's like, that's one of the highest marks in the country this year. So that's a problem. Uh, And you could see them wearing down. But man, the comeback hits. I mean, uh, you know, when they need to score, Dugan just leads them down the field and they score. So they feel you feel like they are never out of the dang game. And you, you kind of feel like this this game is going to go just like all their other ones this year. The opponent's going to look awfully good in the first half, maybe hold the lead and look out for Max Dugan in the second half. They remind me of uh, uh, of in a, the UFC of fighting one of the Diaz brothers, Nate mm-hmm. and Nick Diaz. They like to bleed. <laughs> like when they started bleeding, like absolutely yeah. no impact on them at all. Yeah. They, they just yeah. made they they loved it. It's like good. I'm bloody. Let's yeah, go. And it was now. like here we okay. go. Yeah. Not scared. At, not yeah. No. Now we're fighting. All right. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely nothing there that that uh, that that scares TCU. But yeah, they're gonna have their their work cut out for them. All that. Uh, all that said. All right. One more thing about yesterday, or actually two. But I want to start with this one. Dabo Sweeney. William Christopher Dabo Sweeney. Hmm. Is he in this playoff if he just plays Klubnik one week earlier? He sticks with DJ Ungole. He goes 8 for 29 and 99 yards in a 31 to 30 loss to South Carolina and torches the whole season. And one week later... Klubnik comes in, the five-star freshman from Texas, 
He's been in and out. The fans have been screaming. 20 to 24, 279 yards, touchdown. They 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 rolled 30, they they run up and down the field on North Carolina. His defense isn't good. 31 to 10. This is is this is this just a coach sticking with his guy too long and and torching the season that otherwise is in the playoff? I mean, if they're they're 12 and 1 ACC champs, they're arguing with Notre Dame about losing to Notre Dame, but maybe that game's closer. Maybe they don't get killed if if mm. Klubnik plays the whole game up there and not DJ. There, there's an argument with Ohio State, but Clemson might be in this playoff. It's like a coach took the took him out of the playoff by being loyal to his guy. Well, we feel like we talked about this like a man a week or two into the season about, um, hey, we got to watch. Totally Dabo. did after yeah. the first week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, it, we, Everyone we else said, has saw it. We said like, hey, you got to watch Dabo. He's pretty stubborn with these things. He's been stubborn in the past. He he gives gives gives. They wanted DJ to work. So badly. I mean, they wanted him to work so badly, and it just it didn't work. And by the way, while we're while we're on the pod, there's breaking news from twenty four seven sports. I mean, it's not a real big surprise, but DJ portal. is going to enter the transfer portal. Plans right. to enter the transfer go. portal. So, I mean, it's it, it. They just wanted him to work so badly, and he was so stubborn about it. And even up to the, this past week. I think in his press conference, Dabo was asked about the starting quarterback, and any time he was asked about it, man, he just got really annoyed and aggravated and kind of fired off at the reporter. And and then, lo and behold, what up after the first series or two, made the quarterback change in the ACC championship game. And, and now the, the Cade Klubnik era has officially started and probably started six to eight to ten games too late. I mean, I you would have thought, in fall camp and especially in spring, they would have seen this. You know, you you see coaches. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is a great example, right? McCarthy, I mean, he kind of knew it. And he gave him the first four games and did that weird thing, but like he knew it. He knew he was who he was going with. He saw it in fall camp and spring. Kudos to him. He he set a starter and you know replaced a replaced a veteran because he knew he was better. And man, for whatever reason, Dabo just couldn't do it and didn't do it during the season and yeah it may have cost him no it's fascinating really because because coaches I I I think with a lot of people whether it's coaching or otherwise sometimes your strength can be your weakness and one of Dabo's strengths is complete belief in himself and what he is doing is right and confidence and to a degree stubbornness but sometimes it's right until you're wrong, and then it becomes a problem. And I think with this quarterback situation, it was like, DJ's the guy. He's going to be the guy. I am right. I know what I'm doing. Oh, wait, maybe I'm not right, you know? And, hey, for, to, to his credit, he did recruit somebody who was an incredible guy to throw in there, but he threw him in too late. And so they, they very well may have cost themselves a seventh playoff berth just on the basis of stubbornness and pride or whatever the case may be. So, look, DJ Uyunglele is one of the most likable, admirable guys you're going to meet, you're going to talk to from our profession. I don't, you know, I don't know him otherwise. But you talk to him and he's like just a team first, really cool guy. But that doesn't mean there's a lot of those guys out there. Doesn't mean he's going to get you to the playoff. And now this is two years in a row he's been the starter and Clemson hasn't made the playoff. And it's time for a change, and they could have maybe made it if they had made the change earlier. Yeah, it's just an interesting um, 
bit because like I think you put it well. It's it's a strength that ends up becoming the weakness. Because Dabo, that part of that loyalty is why he gets all these guys to come. But it uh it certainly got him there. All right, briefly on Willie Fritz and the Tulane waves. Well pronounced. Well done. I did I did my best. I need these currently ranked one above LSU. Hey. I'm one team in Louisiana. Mm, Do you think you they go. noticed that in New Orleans, sir? I believe Most they did. Slightly. I believe yeah. Slightly. Great scene. Great scene on Saturday. They get their group of five bowl. This was the idea originally. You know, think about this playoff. I, I always say it. it's designed by people who didn't want to create a playoff. So they, they created this stupid system and they really thought like, what a reward Tulane! You get to play in a, in a new year, six bowl, which turns out no one cares about, but they get to go to the uh, Jerry World and and uh, play uh, USC, so it is good. But regardless, um, incredible turnaround. And they they won two games last year, right? Two. Yeah, yeah uh, two. They went from yeah. two and ten to eleven two and, and ten. two. Big. It'll be the biggest turn. I believe it'll be the biggest turnaround in FBS history. If they beat USC, it'll be the biggest turn. It's tied for the biggest right now. I believe it's a remarkable story. I went down there about a month ago or so and. Spent time down there and, and wrote about the Green Wave and their history and, you know, surviving the hurricanes and displaced from Katrina, displaced a few years ago from Hurricane Laura. Program almost shut down two different times since 1980, almost folded the program. Really, really great stuff. And, you know, cherry on the top of all this is it looks like, I mean, the coaching cycle isn't over yet, although it's so accelerated that we're into the third quarter of it already, it looks like they're going to keep their coach, which didn't look yeah. like that, you know, all the time. I think if Georgia Tech wanted to wait uh, to hire a coach a few days, Willie Fritz might be Georgia Tech's coach, but I don't know that they wanted to wait. There were some contract issues there as well, and Fritz, to his credit, he's an old-school football coach. He's an old-ball coach, and he uh, he wanted to wait. He wanted to focus on the championship game. I think he was pretty annoyed that it got out like it did. And there was like completely erroneous reports that uh, had him taking actually the, the the job being done and the deal being done when it never, never was. And um, so then he just kind of, I think he just kind of pulled his, pulled his name out. Georgia Tech went with Brent Key, but they'll be keeping, keeping him. It looks like, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a remarkable story. It's one of the, one of the better ones in, in college football. All right. Well, speaking of the coaching carousel, the big name, the big decision went down, started breaking on Saturday. Clearly, Colorado knew they were getting him for a while now. Uh, there's been some videos of Prime addressing his team and stuff. He talked about how he's basically been talking to CU for a month. Deion Sanders is headed to Boulder. Does not care about the cold. Does not care about the lack of local talent. Uh, he did not agree with our assessment. He should just go to South Florida. He is, uh, he's ready to roll. He got, got Jackson State to 12-0. and 0. He's going to come back and coach the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta and try to finish 13-0 and 0 and win that title. That's in a couple weeks. But he is headed to Colorado. The, he very well may bring 60 guys in on the transfer portal. I, I don't know. I mean, this could be wild. His speech, did you guys watch his speech to the team? I, I, I haven't. Not. I haven't. Okay. It's quite a speech. He basically just... Uh, talks about how he's coming and everything's going to change and, you know, no hats in the meeting room and all that type of stuff. 
Uh, these guys were like, some of them were slouched and wearing, it was funny. He was talking about, we're not going to have hats next time I'm here. And mm. all of a sudden, like he turns a little to address the other side of the, they're all in this big meeting room, like a theater. And you see uh, in the video, <laughs> this one kid, once he thinks he's out of primes, I think he snatches his hat off his head. He puts <laughs> it down in his like, but the, these guys are kind of sitting there and he's basically like, you know, we're, we're ending this. This is, this is this isn't acceptable and all that. Basically, like if you don't like it, hit the portal now. I'm bringing guys in. Like it, it it's it's an amazing speech. It's an it's it's just you're not gonna hear it any other way. But uh, yeah, I I mean players are going crazy. There's verbal commitments from high school kids. Everyone's all excited about Deion Sanders at Colorado. Uh, Ross, what do you think? What do you think of the first hours of the prime era? Yeah, he already got a commit. I was trying to find it. It it broke earlier on Sunday. It's like a 2025 receiver. Like a yeah, and, five uh, star receiver. Yeah, like several years uh, out, but yeah, still yeah, a yeah, yeah, Academy. Was he at A&M? Committed to yeah. A&M. Yeah, committed to A&M. Picks the buffs over Alabama, Ohio State, in Miami in the 25 class. Yeah. So it's it's it ha- it has begun. That's what Dion's going to get you. That's what we talked about. He's going to bring talent. You're going to get players you normally wouldn't want, you wouldn't get at a place like Colorado at a conference like the Pac-12 because you have Dion as coach. And you know, I know we talked a lot about Dion this past season, you know, about where he could go and the fit and stuff. And the you know the fit there doesn't make a lot of sense for a lot of people and a lot of people that were around him at Jackson State thought that he would go to a South Florida or, or stay in the South in some way. But prime is all about prime time, right? I mean, he's all, prime is about prime time. And power five. he's about power five. And he, he's he been wanting to get in the power five. He's interviewed at several power five places. You know, there's this kind of like lingering, oh my gosh, how could he leave Jackson State? I can't believe he left. And a lot of people at Jackson State, because I used to cover Jackson State for a couple of years, about 10 years ago. And so still got people down there and they're just like shocked and, devastated i'm like guys what are y'all what were you thinking like he interviewed for power five jobs after his first season there in 2020 like this was going to happen and you know he's probably not at a place like i don't think a lot of people would have penciled in but guess what it's the place that's open and it has its own perks it it has a somewhat weak division slash conference and a path to the cfp it's a beautiful city great campus they don't invest like others, and I think that's probably changing, will change with Prime uh, there. I think that that is on the way to changing. They're going to pay him an average of $6 million a year at Colorado, which is probably unheard of uh, there. And his staff, I think, is getting 6 to $7 million or something like that. So he's going to assemble not just player talent, and I think it's already been reported. He's taken, he took a guy, a coach off of Alabama staff. Like he's going to, he's going to assemble coaching talent as well. So it, it's, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, everything was pretty wild yesterday, Pat. Now we're in, in um, a, a lot of communication with the staff, trying to figure out what was going on. You know, we, there's a time and place to talk about like the search and how crazy it was, but, but it landed on Dion. He's there and uh, it should be fun to watch. Uh, it's going to be totally fascinating. I, I, I like as good a theater as somebody tell me a more interesting coaching hire. I don't know in in a long time. It may it may blow up spectacularly. It may be great. It may be somewhere in between where it's almost even boring. I don't know. But but 
Deion Sanders in a, at a Power 5 school in Colorado, sign me up. Sign me up for that because it's, it's very unconventional. There's a lot of schools that were not going to touch him. And I wrote about that. Woe be to those schools if Dion works out. Because especially in the South, where he's got all of his roots and all of his successes as a player, as a coach, as a recruiter. And if you said, no, he might be a little too high maintenance. We might not be able to deal with that. And he goes to Colorado and kills it. Well, that's on you. Yeah. Well, I think we said he, he was the lottery ticket. He could... He can change the dynamics of your program forever. If this works, he can, especially if it had been an SEC job where he wouldn't necessarily leave. I think if he starts winning at Colorado, someone from the South's coming right. with the yeah, yeah. coming yeah. to get him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Someone's so, coming with nine million, ten million. But yeah. it, it didn't. You're going to get him if you're one of the the mid to lower ones, right? You're not get like I don't know if Arkansas is getting a second shot. <laughs> you had one shot. So you got to you, you this is your guy but he can absolutely he's the one that can chase. Most of these coaches I mean really other than other than Dabo Sweeney virtually none of these coaches they 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 take over what's already good. Or they get yeah, get you two more wins every, you know, get you an extra win a year on average or two more wins a year. You do a little bit better, right? Like even Mark Stoops like done a great job at Kentucky but there's only so far you're getting. Or your Sam Pittman you had a Couple good years there, promising. Yeah, you're six and six this year. There's only so far you can get these programs, and and he he's the one where you go. You know what? If we take a shot at this, who knows? So Colorado's taking that shot. Interesting things like in his speech to his players, he he to his new players, he's like, my guys back back in uh, Jackson would kill for these facilities, kill for. Hmm. Yeah, and yeah, you know, and Colorado's supposed to be behind in facilities. There might be, they probably are, but you know, but, they're better yeah, than everything else. Exactly. They're still, still All incredible. Perspective. But he's gonna he's going to to change that dynamic. He's going to bring in a lot of players. It's gonna be exciting whether that translates to wins in the field or how many wins in the field or how it all plays out. I don't know. But Colorado is man, they matter, I'll tell you that. They ain't <laughs> matter in a long time. <laughs> Testament number I like number one thousand, but the first one of the new Deion Sanders era of how unconventional he is was he brought his family to the announcement and he had his son, who's the quarterback at Jackson State, yeah. stand up and say, this is your new quarterback. So yeah, like, right. all right, forget the forget going in the transfer portal. Yeah. It's already done. We're going to oh, announce this right here. He's going to bring all those guys. And then he said yeah. he left his other son. He, he was mad at him. He's the cornerback. He's back home. <laughs> but he's coming, too. Oh, well, we talk the, about it. We talk about it. We talk about, um, like, uh, Dion, how unusual he is and how he's going to say and do what he wants and – and you know some ads didn't like that and blah blah blah. Like this is is another good example, right? What coach sits at a podium and names his starting quarterback for the next season, his first season at the new school? In the starting quarterback is his son, <laughs> Just Dion Prime, who still has one more school. game to play. Yeah. Who still yeah. has a game to play? Got the celebration bowl. Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, and, and he literally walks into that. And he's like, "Yeah, the transfer. We're going to be hitting the portal hard." I mean, he can, it's 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 amazing, and I, I do think like uh, back to what I think you said, Ross. Like a lot of people, I couldn't believe he would leave. I don't think he ever <laughs> said he wasn't. Like, no, there was a lot of people who got caught up in the romanticism of right. Deion Sanders, and he's gonna 
He's going to be the guy that forever shows the light on HBCU football. And I, that really wasn't, I mean, he kind of played along because he knows that's like, he might've said stuff yeah. like that, but he interviewed for TCU. He interviewed for Arkansas. I mean, he, he, he was always leaving. Yeah. And that, you know, he, I, it might've played a part in him getting Travis Hunter. He, you know, one of the great recruiting coups in history, but even then, I don't think anybody said, yeah, like, I, I am just going to be here until Jackson State becomes a national power. No, that like, it I, doesn't work that way. I had a First recruiting of all, FCS, guy. You can't even literally play for the FBS national. You can't get into the playoff from, from Jackson State. Yeah, this is it. He's about to win the Celebration Bowl and go 13-0. and 0. Yeah. Like, that's it. He, I had a guy with Travis Hunter say, look, Travis is not going to Jackson State for four years. Right. It's like, I'm going there for, okay, come to Jackson State. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that this got said. I do not know this got said. But you can imagine that this was, this is what was implied. You come play with me as a freshman. You play both ways, freshman ball. And then we're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Right? This transfer portal is totally different now. So it's like, I'm with you, coach. Where are we going? Let's do this for a year or two, okay? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Dion will try to get him to come to Colorado, but he might also say, I'm going to go to Georgia. Right. He goes wherever he wants. It's all right. Had a great year. Let's do it. And he did. He had a great year. So, yeah, don't be mad at Dion. But it, it's going to be interesting. A lot of people were, I think, I think a lot of people also wanted the idea that he'd stay there because he's less of a threat. Well, the guys will now be out because he's going to start stealing players right off your, 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 oh, yeah. your roster. I, I, don't, I use the term stealing. You know, he's going to be, kids are going to be leaving to go to him, beating you for recruits. He's going to be very, very frustrating to a lot of fan bases and a lot of coaches, and there's a whole lot they're going to be able to do about it. So uh, he's he's one of a kind. All right, we're going to get to small sample Heisman. We're going to get to uh, say something nice. But first, let us get to this uh, Race for the Case Championship. Oh, oh God. Boo. Didn't we already get to that? Boo. I thought we already got to that. Yeah, I think we already we already did all, did all that. It's over. Yeah. Fast forward. If you're listening, this is a good spot to fast forward. Yeah. No, <laughs> yes, no, skip. No. Skip, skip, skip no, no, two no. minutes. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that's not how it works. <laughs> oh, I Here, I am going to say something that I have virtually never said in my entire life. Oh, my goodness. Listen up. <laughs> I do not want your beer. What? I do not want your beer. I what? don't believe you. Now, I had a very astute person. Sorry, I forgot. They sent me a picture of the, it reminded me of the 99 case of, of <laughs> yeah, uh, 99 pack from Paps of Natty something. Light. I think it was Natty, Natty Light or Paps. Paps. Uh, so I could have ended Natty. up with 297 cases of uh, beers <laughs> to drink. But uh, that is not the case. This is what I want to do because we're just talking about Jackson State. And I thought about this over the weekend because I, missed i did not get text from this guy because i can't anymore but pat i, I think you both know him seku smith was a uh, mm. sports writer who passed away a couple years ago of covid he has three he's got his wife heather he's survived by his, his his children cameron gabriel and uh and riley he attended jackson state he worked at the clarion ledger he became an nba writer in indianapolis and uh in atlanta and then was on nba tv nba.com if you're a basketball fan, you probably know Seiko Smith. Incredible, larger-than-life personality. One of the truly funniest people I've ever uh, been lucky enough to be friends with. 
uh, was a real personality on NBA TV and, and, and all of that. He had a great podcast and all that. Uh, so we lost Seku a couple years ago, and that has, uh, has really sucked. And, it, and, 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 and the, on the scale of why it sucks, this is pretty far down the list. But the last couple of years have been particularly painful because the guy went to Jackson State and would have just absolutely loved this. Yes. Absolutely loved Deion Sanders and the whole bit. And 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 uh Seiko would have just basked in it. He would have trash talked. He would have had his jokes and his 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 Anuber way. And there's well the other. He was a monster Michigan fan. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. Yes. Through the, I Michigan, yeah. Michigan, Michigan. I get what well, we're gonna get this recruit. What's up with this? When are we gonna do this? When are we gonna beat Ohio State? The last two years, he did not get to experience this out of nowhere. Holy cow. We're beating Ohio State. We're 25-2 and the whole bit. So I I thought about this last week as these two schools were prominent in everything that he just wasn't there. And God, he would have just – he would have just been lapping it up uh, in all of it. And I miss Seku. I think if you know him at all, you know know, uh, who he is. So – Seku, they, the family set up a, a scholarship award at Jackson State. Pete Damel a couple years ago took the beer money and gave it to one to everyone to give it to Playball Boston, which he he works with the sponsorship. Uh, I'm going to do the same. Uh, you guys each make a little donation in lieu of a case of beer to the Seiko Smith uh, scholarship. I'll I'll text you the link. I'll even put the link out on our uh, yeah on our uh, yeah. on my social yeah. media. Yeah, if anyone else wants to kick in, it's a great scholarship, and Jackson State's a great school. It's 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 an HBCU. It's also like, I mean, Ross, you're around it more than I've been, but you know, it's it's a blue collar school. Mm. It's like you give, yeah. you you give a few hundred bucks. We we raise a few hundred bucks. It matters. Yeah, this isn't sure. like let's throw into the Harvard student fund. Oh, they got forty one <laughs> billion. You know, like maybe my twenty five bucks doesn't really going to go a long way. Like you know, you give to this. Like there's a kid who's who. It, it matters. There's a kid in a family that it matters, no matter how small a donation. So in, in honor of my friend Seku, absolutely a wonderful guy and who would have had the greatest two years of his, of, of his football love and life and didn't get to. So Great. that's what we're doing. Good deal. I Great love gesture. that, actually. Yeah. It's, it's, yes, yes. Uh, Seku is just such a great dude. He's, like I said, so friggin' funny, you know, and uh, he would be loving this. So that that's a... a Excellent idea. I, I no longer begrudge you winning the race for the <laughs> Better than more bush light being brewed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I, I still have, we still haven't done a full like forensic audit on the whole thing to make sure you actually won. Mm, but yeah. Well, now you just be taking money out of some poor Jackson State kid <laughs> trying to go to school. Pat. Fine, uh, yeah, there's <laughs> the there's the there's the dodge. Uh, it, I didn't really win, but. All right, last chance to give out these small sample eyes. We might do it during bowl. I don't know. We got to figure out how we're doing bowls. We'll pick all the games, so don't miss that. It's a fun. It's always fun. The bowl bowl extravaganzas. Small sample eyes. We don't want to wait till the end of the year. Although it's it's the end of the year. We don't give out one award at the end of the year. We give it out week to week. It's the small sample Heisman on the College Football Inquirer podcast. Who won it this week, though? Pat, you got a got a small sample Heisman winner this week. I do. From the game I covered Friday night, I'm giving it to Cameron Rising, the quarterback at Utah, who came into the game as the much less talked about QB compared to Caleb Williams. He's not going to win the Heisman. He's not going to go to New York. 
But he's a great player, and he is a tough baller. The most memorable play probably of the whole game was Cam Rising rolling out, scrambling, deciding to run, leaping into the air, getting hit in a potential targeting shot, and his helmet shooting off like a bottle rocket off the top of his head. And his long black hair flying straight up in the air. And it's like, oh my gosh, did he just get decapitated? No, he did not. He missed one play because his helmet came off. Came back in, led him to victory. Incredibly tough dude. Two, 310 yards passing, three touchdowns. And then afterwards, in one of these great things that just happens in college football, Caleb Williams has the manicure on his fingers, which was probably not a very good idea that says F-U-C-K-U-T-A-H. Everybody can spell that out for themselves on his fingers. U-T-A-H. So, what, what, spelling yeah. bee? What is going on? <laughs> so he, drinking. I've been somebody drinking. asked Cameron <laughs> Rising about it afterwards, and he just kind of laughs and goes, I don't give a shit. He can do whatever he wants. You know, it's, it is what it is. I hope he liked it. But it's like totally cool. Like, we won the game. It's fine. We're the Pac-12 champions again. We're going to the Rose Bowl again. Uh, and I am the 310-yard passer, three-touchdown MVP of the Pac-12 championship game. So Cam Rising, awesome, small sample Heisman. I, I'm going to give uh, mine to, to someone I I saw live last night, and that's Stetson Bennett. Pat's written about, a lot about Stetson. Six-year guy, spent a lot of time on the bench there at Georgia's. Faced the doubters, had a, a go through a quarterback battle, a lot of, lot of, you know, a, a lot of doubts during his career that he could do it. And here we are, and the guy, uh, the guy has completed his second regular season as a starter and um, leading the Georgia Bulldogs back to the playoff. And last night he was spectacular: four touchdown passes, zero interceptions. He completed twenty three of twenty nine passes. For 274 yards in through a couple where you you kind of said, damn, you know, that was that was a pretty nice pass. That was a that was a like Caleb Williams type of pass. Like uh that was impressive. So give it up for him. And I, you know, I I kind of think he's gonna be going to New York. I, I don't think that he's gonna win the Heisman, but I, I certainly think he deserves a spot there. We'll see. You know, I'm gonna give the small sample Heisman to Michigan cornerback Will Johnson. I know Donovan Ooh, Edwards yeah. won the MVP of that Big Ten game, but Will Johnson is a freshman, was a, a very highly regarded recruit out of uh, Gross Point South, which is right on the Detroit border. And he was he had an immense game last night. I think three pass breakups uh, and then the two picks that really stopped Purdue's drive. He has blossomed over the course of this year. Sort of about mid-year, they started talking to Michigan about how this guy was really coming on, and he is he is one of their next big defensive stars, and he showed it at big times in that game. I don't think they're going to throw too many teams are going to be throwing uh, Will Johnson's way, but he is a big time player. Got off the field, got to put on the the turnover buffs. Do you see that the turnover yeah, buffs? Yeah, yeah. The I fancy sunglasses that are popular in Detroit, the buffs, and he uh, he he got to wear those. He looked pretty good. Went back, did a second one, posed with it. So I'm going to give it to Will Johnson of Michigan. Uh, this kid could be an X factor in in Michigan's one to two games uh, coming ahead. All right, we've said plenty of mean things. Can we say something nice to finish this out? 
Who's got something nice to say? This is our time of the podcast. We say something nice. I uh, yeah, I've got uh, I got something nice. We have badgered pretty hard the old Rose Bowl on this pod, and uh, this past week, the old Rose Bowl came through for everybody and agreed to amend the contract in the in the CFP uh, to expand early in 2024. So let's give it up for the Rose Bowl for doing what is uh, right by everybody. And uh, even though they delayed it to the very, very end, and then the news somehow slipped out there, not from the CFP. So, but anyway, this is something nice. And so good job, Rose Bowl, (laughs) uh, for coming through for everybody. Mm. And playoff cannot get here soon enough. Better late than never. Better yeah. late than never. Absolutely. Never Rose too Bowl's late to do the right thing, right? For like 30 years, people have been saying, Rose Bowl's been holding things up, and Rose Bowl going, not us. <laughs> not us. Uh, but good good on the Rose Bowl. And we love your parade. <laughs> sure. Pat, big fans, got? big fans here. Big fans of the parade. We love flowers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tournament of Roses, baby. Okay, might say something nice. I will say, first of all, just want to say real quick, Will Johnson, they sometimes actually, Michigan singled him up on Marvin Harrison in the horseshoe. So that tells you how much confidence they have in him as a freshman. Woo, he's going to be good. Now, my, my say something nice is about the Big 12 Conference, which has staged the best conference championship game two years running. Both of them coming down to the very end, both of them being decided on goal line stands at opposite ends of Jerry World. Last year, it was Baylor stopping Oklahoma State inside the one to win the game, to win the championship, and to stop Oklahoma State from maybe going to the playoff. This year, at the other end, it was Kansas State stopping TCU in overtime inside the one to win the game. Well, it set up them for winning the kicking the winning field goal in overtime. Fortunately, it didn't keep TCU from going to the playoff, but... Two unbelievable games, phenomenal drama involving four different teams, none of which are Texas and Oklahoma, who are supposed to be the big dogs of the league and who are leaving for the SEC and supposedly were crippling the Big 12. Well, I think the Big 12's up and walking and doing just fine with those two not involved in who's winning the league. So great job, Big 12. Good job. Good job. All right, I'm going to wrap it with uh, saying something nice about the Fresno State Bulldogs and Coach Jeff Tedford, who coached the team from 2017 to 2019, had to retire, he thought, due to uh, medical, uh, the health concerns, got that cleared up, returned this year for his first year back. However, it started, uh, shall we say, poorly. They were one in four. At the at, at, in mid October, and their only victory was over Cal Poly. They had lost to Connecticut. They had they had gotten blown out by Boise. It was looking terrible. And then you know what they did? They never lost again. <laughs> win, 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 win. They ended it thirty zip over Wyoming. Uh, one of the most lopsided losses you'll ever see Wyoming take. And then they go back to Boise State and avenge the early loss win the Mountain West 28-16, play a, just a, a terrific game. I watched a bunch of this uh, in the AAC thing because the SEC was 
was uh, was lopsided. Absolutely terrific season by Jeff Tedford, who is, has Fresno State back there, nine and four. They're heading to the L.A. Bowl. I don't believe Jimmy Kimmel is presenting it this year, is he? I don't know, maybe, but whatever. Great so. job by hope Fresno. You. Program is back. Bulldogs are barking. So I'm a, I have no nothing bad to say about Fresno. I didn't think you could pull off net, uh, eight consecutive wins, but you did it. That's good. You you've basically been our Mountain West correspondent this there you season. Go. So yeah. I, I'm glad you noticed that. I, you and know, Jeff it's good Tedford. stuff. And I, you know, what I want to say something nice to yeah. the Wyoming equipment guys. Oh yeah, the Wyoming equipment guys. Uh, they're the guys who you obviously handle the equipment and they drive the truck around with all of Wyoming stuff in it. And they listen to the pod while they drive around. And Mountain West trips seem long. <laughs> yeah. The states are pretty spread out there. They're big uh, states. Yeah. They sent me some sweet, the sweet sweatshirt and stuff. Wow. Oh, uh, I don't you got out. I don't normally take swag, but it's the it's the equipment guys. Like, come on. Because <laughs> I, I, I spoke more about Wyoming football on this pod than any all the other pods combined all season. <laughs> so thank you guys. It's, they're not in the, Wyoming gear is warm. That's the thing, right? Like, <laughs> it yeah. better be. Yeah, it ain't no cheap sweatshirt. It's like a real, it's the real McCoy. So thank you to the Wyoming equipment guys. Good stuff. All right. Thought this would be a quick pod. It wasn't. There's was too much. No, going no. On. Selection we'll Sunday can't be a quick pod. Nope. Nah, I really can't. We'll be back midweek and uh, break down, uh, I don't know, Heisman Chase, whatever else has gone on, and we'll, we'll start our bowl preview at some point i don't know i don't know what we're doing but everyone knows it only gets better when uh, there's less games to talk about it's true people are like what do I, we have you know we have new listeners all the time our, our numbers were kept growing every week and year over year they're huge and all that and i'm like i gotta stick people like i don't know what i'm gonna do in the off season i'm like what are you talking about we ain't going anywhere that's right i think november was a record month for us wasn't it? november was a record month yeah so we'll see how december does Let's no go. reason we can't no reason we can't. We'll still be here. So appreciate everybody. Uh, we got our field. It's going to be fun. Uh, we will talk to you later.